Hi, everyone, and welcome to Arthritis at Home. My name is Ellen, and I'm the program's coordinator. Today is a very exciting day as we are launching the Osteoarthritis Survey, the first of the year in 2023, and really a main driver of our work plan. And to help us celebrate and launch the survey, we've invited someone who's actually helped in the development of the survey. So Cole Mary, who's joining me today, is a PhD student. He's also a member of the Arthritis Patient Advisory Board at Arthritis Research Canada, and he's a patient advocate. So what we at arthritis consumer experts do when we develop these surveys is we actually go to the patients. We ask them for their feedback from that first person perspective. And Cole will be not only sharing some of his first person's perspective with us, but um, helping to bring a little bit more awareness for those who may be new or just learning about osteoarthritis and really how it touches truly all of us, whether that's directly and indirectly. So with that, Cole, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ellen. I'm excited to be here and to have helped out with the survey. I think you guys are doing some great stuff over at Arthritis Consumer Experts and uh, excited to see where you go with it. Thank you, Cole. So Cole, can I ask, as you sit as a member, as, as not only a researcher, but also as a member of the Arthritis Patient Advisory Board, can I ask a little bit about what you do there at Arthritis Research Canada? Yeah, sounds good. So I think I come come from a unique background in terms of my backgrounds in actually in engineering, and then I transitioned. I'm a PhD student at UBC in Rehabilitation Sciences, so kind of quite applicable to, to all of this. And I think the unique lens that I bring is that I, I'm seeing it through both sides. So I think at being part of APAB or uh, Arthritis Patient Advisory Board, I'm able to see it both from as a research um, generator, so as a PhD student, as well as a consumer of that research. So how is this research directly benefiting my own personal care and and everything related to that in terms of the, the systems as well as just the environment of care that surrounds me. So I think at, our, at APAB specifically, um, I work on a couple different committees. So I'm part of the plain language summaries committee, for example, where we try and take these kind of more detailed um, grainy abstracts that people come up with in these intensive research studies. And we try and back that off a little bit and, and make it more consumable for kind of your everyday everyday individual who's coming across this research. Because I think those are the people that we're really trying to to engage with this. And it's not all the people with PhDs that need to be reading this. It's it's the boots on the ground people like myself or like the other people that might be watching this who have these conditions. I think that's the important people that we want to be reaching with this research. So that's one of the things that I would do as an APAB member is try and kind of bring those high level research studies down and make them a little bit more accessible. And then other than that, um, the group as a whole, it's a great group. So many different kind of anyone and everyone joins it. There's lots of different kinds of arthritis out there. So I think, although this is more particular to osteoarthritis, um, various different arthritis representatives exist on APAB. So I think that that's a cool avenue of everyone's bringing their own unique story. They've all got their own unique background. And we're able to really come together and advocate just for arthritis as a whole within Canada and the, the degree of care that we can try and bring as patient partners and how can we inform the research process. So although all these universities are really trying to give us um, specific research targets that they want, we also want to be able to inform that research process a little bit. And not everyone is a PhD student or has a PhD. So how can we come together as a group and really inform that research process to enhance care for Canadians with arthritis? So well said, Cole. And um, Dr. Jasmine Ma, I was on a uh, talk with her earlier today, and she said that 
patient partners have a PhD of lived experiences in arthritis. I'm like, that is true. The I there's a movement, as you said, towards understanding what knowledge is and it's not um, a piece of paper that says, you know, you did this many years of study. It's, <laughs> those, those living experiences are uh, just as or even more valuable in some senses from a research perspective. So, uh, so grateful that you had helped us look at this survey. And on a more personal level, Cole, do you mind sharing a little bit about your own story with arthritis and uh, the recent surgery? Yeah, sounds good. So I'll give you the cliff notes because I know everyone's got their own their own essays that they could write on their own personal experience. But um, long story short, I was diagnosed with osteoarthritis in 2017. So it wasn't anything particular that kind of happened or that that spurred it. Uh, haven't really gotten a firm answer at this point. So I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. No one has really given me the the why question, the silver bullet that I'm looking for. But um, yeah, I was diagnosed with severe hip, hip osteoarthritis on my left side. Um, I probably sat on it and tried to, just hoping it would get better for about six months. And then I ran the gambit through physiotherapy and I went to see the physiatrist, got a bunch of imaging done, um, tried to, to do that for about three or four years and just see how I can use conservative management to get it better. So avoiding the surgery route. Ultimately, I decided to go ahead and have hip arthroscopy, so minimally invasive surgery, in July of 2021. And I was hoping that I wanted to preserve the joint because I think everyone tries to not get a hip replacement or a joint replacement for as long as possible, especially because I am on the younger side of getting getting this procedure done. So I had my hip arthroscopy in July of 2021. And then about six months later, I, I moved down from Kelowna to Vancouver. I got referred to a new surgeon, and unfortunately, my pain came back. Um, to my pre-op levels. So wasn't really seeing a lot of benefit from that first operation. So I went ahead and talked to the new surgeon in um, about February of 2022. And talking to him, it was kind of, I was at a crossroads because I didn't really want to get a joint replacement, but the pain was quite intense. So I, I, one of my favorite ways to put it across to people is kind of every step was painful. So as you go throughout your day, most joints, most healthy joints, you don't really think about moving it. They just kind of move fluidly versus my hip was quite painful in the in the sense that every step that I was taking, I could feel a sharp pain in that side. And it's no way to live. And it was quite unfortunate that it came back, but it's just kind of my deal of the cards. Um, so I did end up talking to this new surgeon in February of 2022. And ultimately he was kind of, he gave me the choice. So I'll give him credit for that. Of He really allowed me to really pursue what avenue of care I wanted to to move forward with. And the, the crossroads that I was at was we could either um, try and push this down the road for about 10 years because I'm of the age that I'll probably need a revision surgery in the future. So if I could kind of grin and bear the pain for 10 years, then maybe it makes a difference. But if it's a matter of just one or two years, then it didn't really make sense for me personally to wait because I'm going to have to have that revision surgery down the road anyways. So one to three years of difference doesn't really make a, a big difference in his opinion. And I agreed with that. So ultimately went ahead and had a total hip replacement in September of 2022. And I'm about six months out of that operation now. That's wonderful, Cole. Um, I'm glad there was a level of shared decision-making there. And it seemed like it was a relatively positive experience within, I could not imagine um, that roller coaster ride. And I know that it resonates. Like I'm, I'm sure that that story resonates with so many people where what was the cause? And we, we still don't, we can't pinpoint it, like you said. Um, for those uh, in the audience who are listening and are, you know, 
have heard of osteoarthritis may have a family member, distant family member or distant friend who, who lives with it. Um, I just want us to kind of discuss and share a dialogue a little bit around this condition, um, osteoarthritis being what we call a progressive joint disease. Um, and it's the most common type actually. In Canada, it affects 4 million Canadians. Um, by 2040, it's estimated to affect 12 million Canadians. It's about one in seven current. Yeah, like that that number one in seven, there's no way that you don't know someone. It's just highly unlikely that you don't know somebody living with the condition, whether they show it or speak about it or not. Um, and we know that OA is a leading cause of chronic pain, which you had mentioned, Cole, as well as mobility. And I'm sure you can you can speak to that a little bit, Cole, if you don't mind. So when when you were experiencing the pain, did you find that you were more sedentary? Because I know you live an incredibly active lifestyle. That's why I asked. Yeah, I think you raise a good point there because it's whether people are showing it or not is a, is a big consideration. And I think that's just one of the things, same with rheumatoid arthritis or, or any of these arthritic conditions. A lot of times, some people show it a lot more than others, and some people are aware that they have it and some aren't. So it does affect so many different people. I think it's a huge thing within Canada. And again, I'm so happy that you guys are reaching out to everyone to try and get more perspectives on this. Um, but relating back to your question, the mobility and the chronic pain aspect, I think I, I had a hard time grappling with the fact that one, because I am young and quite active, I think that change of lifestyle, I wasn't really ready for. And I think that's one thing that I definitely resonate with. Of, um, I used to run marathons. I was quite active. I was a, tri a triathlete. And then all of a sudden my hip starts hurting and then it's not getting better. Then it's six months then it's a year and I still haven't gone for a run again. And to go from that level of kind of like a almost competitive amateur runner back down to, okay, maybe running is not an option for you anymore, not just in the next six months, but for, for forever almost, or for a finite amount of time. So trying to grapple with that. And I think as much of a, a joint disease as osteoarthritis is, there's a huge biopsychosocial or kind of mental element to it of that change of perspective, that change of your own character and trying to grapple with that. So I think that's one huge consideration that people need to be aware of. If it's not just you have an unhealthy joint that we can go ahead and, and go ahead and um, swap that joint out, but just adapting mentally and grappling with that. And do you have a good support system at home? Do you have the resources to um, adapt to this new lifestyle that you might be pursuing? And it, it doesn't affect everyone in that sense, but I think that's just a huge part that not a lot of people are aware of, of how much of a mental toll it does take on it. And I think that's one thing to be definitely considered of. The identity piece. I think we, yeah, we, we need well to, put. <laughs> we need to, we need to speak about this more. And that is one of the reasons why we're conducting the survey to bring this a little bit more into the public conversation. Um, Cole, we also know that um, there's a loss in productivity and Unfortunately, there's no exact way to measure this. We can kind of use some fancy calculations, but we're estimating, or it's been estimated, it's about $17.5 billion a year due wow. to osteoarthritis. And a greater number of people will actually be forced to stop working or work less due to some of the limitations that we spoke about. And you know, I, I can I can imagine how difficult it is, especially um, 
in this time where we're not speaking about it. Um, Cole, do you mind if we we ask you a little bit more about your surgery and perhaps how long did you wait for the surgery um, and what was the process leading up to it? Yeah, of course. So I kind of touched on it earlier, but just to recap, um, I had that first surgery. So the minimally invasive one, we tried to preserve the joint. I had that in July of 2021. And then about six months later, I had gone through most of the rehab and I confirmed with my surgeon that after about six months, if I was still in pain, we could think about diff uh, pursuing different care. So I got referred down to a new surgeon at Vancouver General Hospital, uh, talked to him, and then I again went through that process of do I want to get it replaced, don't I? Uh, so that was in February of 2022, and my surgery was in September of 2022. So I waited about eight months for that surgery, and I think a lot of it was just... And it was a, it was a weird circumstances, honestly. And I think to just be transparent with the audience, I think showing up to that appointment, just having a surgery, I was expecting that that was going to be my silver bullet solution. And then talking to this new surgeon and all of a sudden within that first appointment, I ended up on the wait list for a hip replacement. And I, I felt, I felt good about that. It was the right decision, but it was just quite a cascade from, I thought I was going to get better and then I didn't. So it was very kind of ups and downs. And I think a lot of people on the call can probably relate to that, but um after I got referred or got put on that wait list, I just sat on the wait list for a while and until that surgery date came up. And then around that, I started to get more calls from the nurses and the, the team at Vancouver General just informing me of what to expect to lead up to the surgery, um, all the different things that I had to have in place. And then the surgery happened itself and then just all of the aftercare following that. So I think a big piece of, was just the education element, because even as someone that does have a background in academia and, and is quite good about doing my homework on what this might be like. It's a huge undertaking. And I think people don't really give it enough respect in the sense that it, it's easy on the surface to ju just think that surgery is the solution, but surgery is also a huge trauma to the body and the mind, honestly, because you go from all of a sudden you're, you have osteoarthritis or, or some derivative of that, and but you can get by. You can, for the most part, people find ways to get get through their daily occupations, even with a condition like that. And then you have surgery, which is this own, its own major trauma. And then all of a sudden you're rehabbing for four to six months before you're back to quote unquote normal and about a year for completely full recovery. So that, that element of rehab is really baked into it. And I think not a lot of people consider that of you have the surgery, you do the rehab and then you're all better, but that rehab piece is so huge. So just being aware of that, I think was something that I, I wasn't really expecting as much, but um, overall, I think just to reflect back on, on the piece that you touched on on wait times, I think COVID was, it was as everyone has talked this to death by now, but um, COVID impacted all of these waiting times so much. And whether it's between surgery or imaging, I think there's so many moving parts to the Canadian healthcare system in relation to surgical wait times or imaging wait times. I think it's a huge huge issue and huge undertaking to try and kind of change the direction of that battleship and how can we better serve our community under this umbrella of universal health care how can we serve these people that are waiting for a surgery that their every step is painful for them but you're waiting eight months 12 months 16 months something like that to get this surgery uh when you need it and you, you need it to go to the grocery store you need it to walk your dog or something like that and and just because you put your name on that wait list isn't always as validating enough and i think it's something and that's why i'm happy you guys are reaching out through this survey to to get feedback on that and see what other people's experiences are because i only bring one voice to this conversation and as, as you quoted earlier with so many of the numbers and how many people are affected by this i think touching as many people as possible is hugely important 
words of wisdom. It, it is just truly such, I think, an under-recognized condition in terms of its severity and impact to life. Like, we obviously know about cardiovascular disease, cancers, but we don't speak about arthritis in the same way. And I, and I, and I, and I hope that the survey and gathering your, like you said, correct information. And when I say correct for our audience, it's more representative because we're asking the patients themselves. So for everyone listening on the call, if you yourself are living with osteoarthritis, if you know somebody else who's living with osteoarthritis, we're going to ask you to please complete the survey because what it's going to do is it's going to help us learn more about what your perspective is like so we can advocate in a way that's actually representative and then learn what your needs are so we can create materials that are truly like Cole does for Arthritis Patient Advisory Board, create those lay resources. So please, please, please complete that. Please, please, please share with your audience. And for everyone who's listening, let's thank Cole for his time, for sharing some of his journey with us and for really just starting the conversation. So thank you so much, Cole. Thank you for your time, Ellen. And with that, we hope everyone joins us for our next episode of Arthritis at Home. Take care.